Good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of you mamas out there. I also want to recognize that for some women, today is an in-the-meantime moment each and every year. Perhaps you are still in waiting for that baby to come. Or perhaps you have lost a child. Maybe you are estranged from your child. Or maybe you've lost your mom and you miss her terribly. Or maybe your relationship with your mom wasn't exactly what they wrote Hallmark cards for you to do. I will send special blessings out to you today. So now the last three weeks, Pastor Mark is taking us through a very timely series in the meantime. And week one was titled, The New Normal. And we reminded that God is not absent, apathetic, or angry in the meantime. In week two was titled, A Purpose and a Promise. And Pastor Mark journeyed with us about trusting God in the meantime And that can turn a breakdown into a breakthrough. And last week we walked through the sermon, Believe It or Not. And through that, we saw how we must endure to mature in the meantime. Now this week, our sermon is called God Sees You. Even in those in the meantime moments. And this morning we're going to walk through the story of Hagar who found herself in her own in-the-meantime moment. We're going to look at three key areas. God sees you, God hears you, and he loves you and will not abandon you. So we're going to start and look at, in this season, this has been a season of uncertainty, or dare I say, change. And for some, it's been a season of rest, a time to reconnect with family, perhaps slow the pace down a little bit. For some, our routines have completely changed and every child is now a homeschooler. Now, I can tell you in our home, my daughter always wanted to homeschool and that is no longer the case. For others, this has been a season of fear and anxiety, and for some, a season of isolation, grief, desperation, and loneliness. And no matter where you are at in this season, there's one thing we can know for sure. God sees you. There are times in our lives that we feel that we have no control over circumstances in our lives. Sound familiar in this season? Hagar felt this, and we're going to begin in Genesis 16, verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband as his wife. Now Hagar was acquired from Egypt when Sarai and Abraham had moved from Canaan to Egypt to escape famine. 
She was taken from her family. She was isolated, and I'm sure she was lonely. She was stripped from any personal rights and expected to honor every wish of her mistress. She was treated like property and given to Abram with the sole intention of conceiving a child for his wife who couldn't conceive her own. Talk about feeling like you have no control. But she was not unseen because God sees you when you are hurt by others. We're going to continue with verse 4. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, if this were in current day, this is where I would have looked at Sarai and said, girlfriend, what did you think was going to happen? You took this plan that was totally out of God's timing and against his plan for marriage. What did you think was going to happen? What was Abram's response? Let's look at verse 6. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So when Hagar becomes pregnant, she changes, not only physiologically, but emotionally. Now that never happens, does it? And she begins to despise her mistress, which obviously was not acceptable. Sarai goes to Abram and boldly states, this is all your fault, and he needs to address it. Abram throws his hands up and and wipes his hands of the situation and tells Sarai to do as she wishes. So she does just that and abuses Hagar, causing her to run away. Now, some of you can relate to feeling hurt or mistreated in this season. Perhaps you or someone you know is hurt and feels rejected because they've lost a job that they've given their entire life to. Or perhaps someone, you or someone that you know, is facing financial difficulties due to, due to our current situations, and the security of having a home or a vehicle is being jeopardized right now. Perhaps a relationship that was once cherished isn't as kind and safe as it once was. God sees our suffering and will intervene in his timing. Hagar had run away from the abuse that Sarai inflicted on her. Essentially, she was a fugitive slave. Hagar was running through the desert toward her home country of Egypt, pregnant and alone, or so she thought. Let's go to verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Now he already knew the answer. He wanted her to come to him and tell him. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. God had seen her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard 
your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. Now, as a mother who is still carrying this child, I can't imagine that hearing your child is going to be this wild child and every relationship that he was going to be in is a hostile one and that it would not settle very well on your heart. But even with all of these emotions that she had to be feeling, let's listen to her response. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Now, Elroy is one of the Hebrew names for God, and it means the God who sees me. Hagar gave this name to God because God saw her, not as the fugitive slave, pregnant mother who was risking her safety as well as her unborn baby. God saw her, and he had plans for her. And God sees you. And not only does he see you, but he hears you in your suffering. Now we're going to pick things up with Hagar in chapter 21. Now by this time, Hagar had returned to Sarai and resumed her position as slave and later gave birth to a son who was named Ishmael, which in Hebrew means God hears. God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. Sarah and Abraham become pregnant and give birth to a son named Isaac. Sarah is not happy about Ishmael and Hagar continuing to hang around because as far as Sarah is concerned, they needed to go. And in verse 11, we see The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. So even though Sarah and Abraham and Hagar had created this dramatic mess, God's glory shined brightly, and he had a plan. Now, that's good news for us in our own messes, isn't it? The following day, Abraham gave a few provisions to Hagar and sent her on her way with their child. And they wandered into the desert. And let's look what happened. Let's pick it up in verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, and she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. Now, I imagine at this point, sob was an understatement. She was probably having what I call an ugly cry. Have you been there? Perhaps the loss of a loved one has brought you to that point. The death of a dream that feeling of hopelessness and despair. And then something beautiful happened once again. God heard the boy crying. Now remember, Ishmael's name meant God hears. 
And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Now, how beautiful this visual of God opened her eyes. There is nothing that is a surprise to God. He knows every hurt we are feeling. He knows every tear that we have shed. But even so, he wants you to bring it to him. He wants you to tell him about your hurt. He wants you to bring it all to him. And this brings me to my final point. God loves you and will not abandon you. Now this whole message kind of hit home for me. So I was blessed with two children, my son whose name's Matt and my daughter named Kaya. Now, my children were born 20 years apart, and if that isn't proof in itself that God has a sense of humor, I'm not sure what does. I raised my son as a single mother, and that boy gave me some gray hair as a teenager. I remember when he was 16, and I dropped to my knees right after I watched my son be arrested right in front of me. And I told God I couldn't do this on my own. And I knew that he would be the only one that could bring restoration to my son's life. And he did. My son found sobriety and he started making goals for his life. He joined the Navy in 2014 and he was stationed in San Diego. And boy, was my mama heart proud of that boy. He was working on the USS Ronald Reagan, getting it ready to send out. And he got married in that year, in September, to his high school sweetheart. I thought all of the heartache and all of the heartbreak was behind us. My plan was that I was going to watch my son excel, and he was going to give me grandbabies. But on March 15, 2015, at 11.20 p.m., I received a call that would rip my entire world apart. My son had taken his life. Not even two hours before, I had been texting with him, and now he was gone. And once again, I dropped to my knees, and I told God I couldn't do this. I was numb for a long time, The Navy graciously paid for all of my son's arrangements. But because my son had been married six months before, his wife and her family got to make all the decisions. I felt helpless, and I had to shut completely down because I felt I was going to lose it. Preparations were made before I got to California for my son to be cremated, so I didn't get to hold his hand. And say goodbye. This was one of those times that I mentioned earlier where I felt no control over the circumstances that were in my life. 
things got really dark for me. I was completely shattered in ways that I did not think that I could be. I battled depression, severe anxiety, I was angry, and really I was not a very nice person. For about a year after my son died, I can't remember a whole lot of day-to-day life. I was in survival mode. I don't remember a lot of my daughter's first year or her second. It took everything I had to get out of bed some days. I stepped into church the day that my, of my son's funeral, and I did not go back until August of that year. And I don't know if I would say I was mad at God, but I sure didn't see him in anything that I was going through. And there were many days that I can look back on now and realize that I didn't move forward on my own. And that I experienced him carrying me, even though I couldn't feel him. And I was blessed and thankful that my last text messages to my son that night were, I miss you and we love you. Because that is not the experience that some people get. And I don't take that for granted. And through this journey, God has shown me more grace, mercy, and love than I could have ever prayed for or deserved. And he did not leave me. And through my pain, he drew me closer to him and called me into full-time ministry. He gave me the gift of understanding and the ability to walk alongside others who are hurting and to be able to support them in ways that I would never have been able to do had I not lost my son. God loved me through my greatest hurt, and he did not abandon me. And he will not abandon, or for some of you, should I say, he has not abandoned you either. So as I was getting ready for this sermon, I read a a quote by Tim Keller, and it kind of explained this all pretty nicely. God sees us where we are, loves us where we are, and accepts us as we are. But by his grace, he does not leave us where we are. Our bottom line today is God sees you even when life makes it hard to see him. God sees you even when life makes it hard to see him. God sees you when you are being hurt by others, even when life makes it hard to see him. God sees you when you are suffering and will intervene in his timing, even when life makes it hard to see him. God hears you in your suffering, even when life makes it hard to hear him. And God loves you and will not abandon you, even when life makes it hard to love him back. One of the things that I share with my grief share groups is that sometimes when things get really dark, 
like when we are in a grief journey. And grief can mean the loss of a person. It can mean the loss of a relationship, a career, a dream. And we don't see God in front of us. It's not that he's gone anywhere. It's that we have turned the other way. And when we get to that place emotionally, and we are completely exhausted, sometimes it's too hard to turn back. So lean back. If you don't see him, know that he is still there. Just lean back into him and you will feel him again. Don't mistake his silence, real or perceived, for absence. He is with you. And Michael and the team are going to continue in a time of worship after I pray. And this song that they're going to sing, Say Amen, came on my Spotify playlist as I was preparing for this sermon. And it spoke to my heart, and I had never heard it before. And so I asked them to share it with you today. So please sit back and let the words resonate with you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you give to us, for the promise that you will not leave us. God, we ask you to open our eyes. Let us see you when it's hard to see you. Let us know that you hear us when it's hard for us to hear you. And God, thank you for loving us even when we're not in a place to be able to love you. God, I thank you for everything that you have brought us through, continue to bring us through, and all of the promises that you give us, Lord. God, I thank you for the journey that you have brought me through and all that you have brought to my life. We love you. In all of this, I pray in your precious and holy name. 